Hello, Internet. This is ESC Insight Calling. I'm Ewan Spence. I'm Samantha Ross. And I'm Ben Robertson. Give me an M. M. Give me an A. A. Give me an O with that funny thing on the top. Oh, it doesn't matter. We're going to Malmo. E. Yes, it's a very, very quick turnaround podcast. We're going to talk about whole cities and Eurovision next year and where we can all stay. That'll do. Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. The news has broken. A new day has dawned for the Eurovision Song Contest. Malmo 2024 on May the 11th for the grand final, the 9th and the 7th for the semi-finals. And everybody's plans to hopefully stay on for another couple of days to see Taylor Swift are now out of the window. Well, technically not. You can still take a train up. Ben Robertson joins me now with his intricate knowledge of the train system in Sweden. Will tell me how long it takes to get from Malmo to Taylor Swift. About five hours. Five. That's great. Also joining Samantha Ross, who will be able to tell me where we stayed in Malmo last year so I can book the hotel this time. Oh, the park here, not too far from the Turning Tower. So it was lovely. And remember just having that buffet breakfast next to Esma Redzapova for two weeks? That was lovely. May she rest in peace. There is something about going back to a host city. And it's just like, oh, this is comfy. I know what's going on, but I also know it's going to be completely different. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a first for me where I'm actually returning to to a host city. Uh, I mean, this is going to be my my 12th contest live, something like that. And this will be my first repeated city. I've done a repeated nation in Sweden before. But no, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Malmö again with fresh eyes. I feel like my third contest, I was still a little bit green behind the behind the ears there. But I know the contest better now. I understand it better now. And I know when to take a step back and really absorb the city. I feel like those first couple of years, I was still in contest mode, contest mode, contest mode. But now I feel like I can kind of wrap my arms around a host city a little bit more effectively now. And I'm really looking forward to doing that with Malmö, a city that I found lovely and charming and away from the hustle bustle of a major capital. I saw, actually, interesting point that I saw made on, on one of the social medias earlier today. Uh, this is now the fifth contest in a row that is not being held in a national capital. Which is one that I'm sure will come up in a quiz at some point in the future. One of the things I'm looking forward to is actually travelling again. Much as Liverpool was like an eight-hour bus ride here from Edinburgh, it was still in the United Kingdom. It still didn't feel quite right. Eurovision for me has always been about travel, about seeing other countries and just, you know, moving through Europe. So much as I've seen Mambo before and the amount of times I've went through Copenhagen Airport and trying to decide whether I'm turning right on the platform or left on the platform, depending on what year or what national final it is. It is returning to an old friend, but it's also returning to travel and going somewhere that's not home. And I'm Ben... Are, are you do you are you going to have that or not have that this year? No, we are, we are quite a few hours away now, and I mean Sam mentioned there about we're going to a, a capital city, but of course Copenhagen is just across the Øresund. Um, so in a sense, there it is a is a definitely a different region you think about. But yeah, I, I'm probably quite unique in the sense of having you know a UK contest last year, now a Swedish contest. I mean, I also go to Malmo for Melfest. You know, so I, I I know these Swedish cities quite well. And yeah, we Malmö is a known quantity to SVT, to the EBU, to the Eurovision. 
community as a whole. So it's going to, right now, it feels like it's going to be quite a comfy contest. But let's let's go with one of the questions that we're going to have. They are hosting. Why are we going to Malmo? <laughs> I mean, the obvious answer here is just to read out the EBU quote and they're going to tell us why we're going to Malmo. So let's start there before we get into the weeds. Malmo's commitment to diversity, inclusivity and innovation aligns perfectly with the spirit of the competition. Furthermore, its compact size and well-developed transport infrastructure means everyone involved in the contest, including delegations, media and fans, will be able to navigate the city easily. Its commitment to sustainability and green initiatives also aligns perfectly with their own values, making it an ideal host city for the 68th Eurovision Song Contest. Eddie Reader out there will be sending an invoice for the amount of times you've quoted perfect there, but I think that's a good place to start. Ben, what catches your eye in why Malmo's won the hosting? The thing out of what's been said there is there's also a little bit of a this, this word compact, it's a bit like an estate agent using cosy, isn't it? Um, but lots of what was said for Liverpool was that unique village feel of the contest was a real positive. That is definitely far easier to do in a place like Malmo, which is Sweden's third city. Um, obviously, it's had the contest before, but it's it fits because it has a very good arena, great transport links there and this ability to move around the town seamlessly um it's that keenness there which means it's a very easy eurovision to organize if i think about the other bids they've been more complex suggestions that have been put forward at svt and and this here you know if you look at a commitment census to uh, commitment to sustainability this is the option of all of them by far. Yeah, something that struck me about the contest in Mama was just how seamless it seemed. And, you know, you and I, we stayed at a hotel that was a little bit away from the trains. But once you were on a train or on a public bus, it was very, very easy to get to the arena. Uh, there was a, they opened up the press center officially in the second week for us, which I suppose is a portent of things to come eventually. Uh, but when they did, the Mamamasan was a very, very lovely press area. There was a shopping wall right across the way. There was a train link literally like right by the arena. It was very, very easy to get to, very seamless. Um, the access to the Euro Club, which was in the slaughterhouses we all know that year, was was also very easy because it was in the central area of the city. I think in, correct me if I'm wrong, that may have been the first year that they incorporated the Euro Fan Cafe into the extent that they did, which was a big step, made it very, very friendly. At least that was the early one that I do remember. Uh, and it just... It seemed like a very homey contest, honestly. It was just easy to run. It, it felt comfortable. Even in a city where I'd never been before, it just seemed comfortable. There were hitches, of course. Like I said, they didn't open the press center until week two. They had us all in what would eventually be the Euro Club in week one, which, again, possible portend of things to come. But all in all, it just felt comfy. And maybe just being away from a massive metropolis kind of lent itself to that. In terms of that press split, which I'm sure is going to be talked about a lot, um, even though in the first week we weren't on site next to the stadium, we still had the, the feeds coming in. We still had a press centre. We still had the artists coming in to do press conferences. We had wonderful speed dating where everybody got two minutes on the clock and was rapidly moved on when their time ran out. Uh, so 
Yeah, there, there's lots of options. There's lots of things that happen. We also have to remember it's 10 years ago and lots of things have changed. Different decisions mm-hmm. can be made. It's going to be a fun ride to go through. But my overriding memory of Malma and what I think will, has, will shine through, and I think it's also going to be a key part of the bid, is Eurovision is not going to get lost in the city. Everywhere you looked in Liverpool, you saw Eurovision. Now, part of that was the compactness, part of that was the the culture of the city, part of that was some smart ideas um, where they allowed the Eurovision logo to be printed out officially and used in a business if they were even remotely connected to doing stuff in Liverpool. So the branding was absolutely everywhere. I don't think you would have got that in Stockholm. You might have got that in a region of Stockholm, but you wouldn't have got that over everything. And Malmo had a lot. Uh, in 2013 and I think that will only build now so yeah it's just going to be the sense of yeah we know this is a song contest but there's always this sort of well maybe we want it to be bigger like the Olympics or European Championship or a big sporting event and I think Malmo's going to really help that happen I would actually flip that to the opposite Malmo would actually help Eurovision to find its right place to downscale appropriately. Because we, we there's always a space race that goes on within the Eurovision Song Contest to try and outcompete what's been done before. Malmo's bid won't do that. There has been some comments in the press release about how some things in the city have been stepped up from where they were in 2013. But I'm not expecting Malmo to host a Eurovision that is going to be legacy-changing. Now, Malmo's hosting in 2013 was the cheapest hosting of a contest in a very long time after Baku, after Dusseldorf, after Oslo, after Moscow. And before and Copenhagen. <laughs> very much before that one. I, What you're going to get here is a Eurovision that works. Um, and you're going to get the atmosphere of a Eurovision that works. I don't think you're going to be getting the grand spectacle of things, and nor should we. I don't think that is the point because we have been very lucky in recent years with which nations have hosted Eurovision Song Contest in the sense of that there's been four different bids here from Sweden and, you know, we we have that luxury of a rich European nation with a plethora of arenas that can just go, Malmo, go ahead, do it again. Um, that might not be the case next year and there's a there's a... There's a point I always feel in hosting about making sure you do it in a way that leaves it possible for next year to shine as well. When, you know, we could end up in the farthest reaches well away from train journeys for me for uh, the Eurovision Song Contest. And that's that's important. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no real need to reinvent the wheel every single time. And I think, Ben, you make a really, really good point. The fact that you still you want to put on a good show, of course, and we know that CT will put on a decent show no matter where it is. Um, you still want to be able to leave the door open for the following year to be able to do it well. I mean, if if you say a Moldova or a nation that hasn't either has never done this before or a nation that doesn't necessarily have a huge budget or infrastructure, if they are given the keys to the ship, you want to make sure that their their ship still looks amazing and that they have the tools to be able to do it. And they're not saying, oh, it wasn't as good as last year, was it? So I think having a more modestly scaled show is not a bad thing at all. As long as it looks good on TV and the gears still run in terms of structure as they should be running, 
small cities ahoy. I'm totally, I'm totally down for it. And of course, with a winner, we have everybody who finished in second, third and fourth place as well. So, I mean, is it worth asking why the other host cities didn't win? Because if Malmo's going to cast a, a strong weight on a small contest, a modest, and making sure you can continue, it's probably worth discussing why other places didn't quite work. And I suppose, Ben, the obvious question that I'm going to bring to you is it just because Taylor Swift is playing Friends that we're not going to Stockholm? We don't really know, actually. Um, Taylor Swift will be at Friends Arena the week after the Eurovision Song Contest. Um, how much time and negotiations that will take, I don't actually know. And actually, one thing very different about this Eurovision bidding circus compared to last year is that there's been very little information that's gone out about all of the bids um like you've had like one statement from each of the city councils and otherwise information's been leaked about anything else rather than through official sources so we understand that stockholm's bid proposal was to have a temporary structure in the port of freehamden which is fairly close to city center um now was Friends Arena also a part of it as a possible other option? We don't actually really know. Those things haven't actually um, come out to um, the public to know what the proposal was. We do know when Lorene won, that press release in May was a joint press release from the city of Solna, where Friends Arena is, and the city of Stockholm. And... No, it's been Stockholm afterwards that's been pushing it. Whether that's been backlash from football supporters, of course, you need the football team to leave for at least six weeks for a Eurovision Song Contest, um, or it's been from having this new concept, or whether it's been from Taylor Swift, we don't know. We don't know. And it's also <laughs> worth reminding, let, we'll stay with the Taylor Swift one um, very briefly, is these big holes, um, the Mount Marina, Friends, wherever you want to go, are booked up years in advance for the big ticket items. The Eras Tour will have been on the books long before the date was actually announced. And Eurovision's, one of Eurovision's issues is you do not have long to prep and get ready and put this contest on. You can't put down, oh, we're just going to hold Mount Marina just in case. You can't, you've got to win first and then get it and you have a very short window to try and get the logistics of getting a venue now whether that's you hope it's it's free for the sort of six weeks before and week and a half two weeks after or whether you have to ask Andre Rue if he wouldn't mind moving to another arena in Denmark this is difficult yeah, Stockholm was planning from March just to make that very clear we had a little bit of a luxury of that sure. one um but yes, there is a scale of Eurovision problem here in that the Eurovision Song Contest is the biggest event on the planet that you only get, I don't know, at best 12 months really to plan for. Anything else bigger than this in terms of its scale and its media coverage, you get far longer to prepare for. So in in that sense there, it you always have that challenge and it's going to be the big issue for the big arenas around Europe that do get booked up, you know, two years in advance. But that's okay. Because as long as you do have this arena and we do have this Goldilocks, you know, 
12 to 15,000 that is genuinely preferred um, by the EBU for that right balance of scale of what the show should be. We watched Liverpool show back that was far smaller than that in terms of audience, but the visual production of that worked. And this is, of course, for people like us that will be there, that want to see the community of Eurovision flourish, we want to see that big scale. You know, myself and many others that you know, did want to start home to host, the reason for that would have been to welcome more people to the community because Liverpool did have expensive hotels, did have you know, very few tickets available for people that wanted to go. And we want to see more people be able to access the Eurovision Song Contest. But it is a TV show, and it can be a very good TV show wherever it goes. And in terms of communities, Mala has one huge advantage, I think, over any of the other whole cities, which is it has a spare overflow city just 20 minutes to the west of it because so much of where people are going to be staying and doing and meeting up, it's going to be in Denmark. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly took the venture over the over the Odesund when I was over there just to say that I'd been to Denmark, not realizing I was going to be in Denmark the following year. Uh, it also created an incredible moment where Emily DeForest's people had a billboard set up outside of the Malmö Arena uh, as you were leaving saying, welcome to Copenhagen, host city of Eurovision 20, you know, 2014, 20 kilometers that way, which was probably the ballsiest move I've ever seen a delegation do. Luckily, they could just, you know, roll it up and move it away if they hadn't won. But it just it does create this sort of second city effect. And I'm very curious to see if the Copenhagen Council is is going to be doing much with it or is after we were, as we we're kind of alluding to before. It's such a huge city that it's just a drop in the bucket. It's like, OK, it's Copenhagen. They're going to be tourists no matter what you do. But are they going to be picking up any of the any of the slack, whether in, a, in an official capacity or not? Or is there ever any discussion between Malmo and Copenhagen about something like this? Or is it just it's Malmo? Something's happening there. There's going to be a natural overflow. I remember back in 2013, there was joint public transport tickets to go across. So you, okay. if you were staying in Copenhagen, there would be like a deal for a week to go between the two because of Eurovision. Yes, they do communicate with a... Uh, we may make fun of it up here in Stockholm, but you know, the greater Copenhagen region, so to speak, of course, there's going to be dialogue because you've got to be so many thousands of people using Copenhagen Airport. Mm-hmm. I will. So absolutely these things will happen. And if there is any country in the world that is good at making sure those discussions happen, it's the Swedes with Fika. Ah, oh, yes. We're going to get Ooh, Fika yes. back in the Fika. press. How room? can I forget Fika? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I love a good Fika. Oh, and there's the title for the episode if we were doing our podcast that way. Oh, Thank yeah. you very much, Sam. <laughs> um, for those of you who haven't been in the press room or around the vet, it, it's it's like the classic everything stops for a cup of tea at 4pm in the United Kingdom uh, when you're on a film set. Everything stops for a little tiny cake around 3.30. It was actually really funny when um, this happens at, at Eurovision because it's actually we don't do this at Melfest. They just have hot dogs. Don't, don't, don't spoil the illusion, Ben. No, no, let me have this. Let me have this, Ben. I mean, Malma did it so perfectly. Once we actually had the the, the press center set up in that in that second week at the Malma Masan, they had these lovely tables set up with varieties of these gorgeous pastry, little little slices of princess tarta and 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 chocolate bullar and things like that and and and, and 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 it was just 
And they had they had gone through like it seemed to be all of the the antique shops in town and scoured them all for like little mismatched uh, China tea sets, like little teacups and saucers, all beautifully, charmingly mismatched and just filled to the brim with coffee and tea. And you had your little piece of pastry and your your co- oh God, is it May yet? Is it May yet? And sister, where it's like covered in, in fondant and marzipan and it's green and it's covered with, it has chocolate on the two ends. And oh, I want one of those. The vacuum cleaner. Yes, those, the vacuum tubes. <laughs> Give me an edible vacuum tube stat. Oh, oh, somebody get this out of this. I'm spiraling into a pastry, pastry coma. Oh, welcome please, to the Inside Eurovision podcast with incredibly deep cuts on pastries and cakes and Battenbergs and, uh, it's it's oh. fair to say that uh, that Sam is now very much focused on what she would like to see in Malmo. So Ben, without mentioning anything that he's baked, what about you? In in, in fried all... works too. Fried is okay as well. <laughs> Sam, wait, stop it! Stop it! Chep Other... chep 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 cuckoo chep 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 chep. Oh, now we're going even deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, with a slight tongue-in-cheek, um, or not, as the case may be. One of the things is, as Ben, as you said, though, this bidding process has been very quiet. It's not been about promoting cities as we've seen in the last couple of years. It's just been about where does the show go on? And I suspect that that's going to happen for the next couple of months. We're not going to get too many details. It's going to stay quiet. Oh, we're putting the show on. It's okay. We'll tell you shortly. And so on. We'll have the tickets relatively early. SVT has a lot of corporate knowledge about putting events on inside the arena. But if we do put our let's have some fun hats on, what are you most looking forward to? If we would go back to 2013, Malmo's most famous son had a short cameo at the start of that year's grand final. His name is Zlatan. Zlatan. The home of Slayton. Well, I thought he was out there playing football and being all sports star and has an incredibly full diary of athletic activities. He's just announced his retirement from professional football after a stint as a San Remo host. Ah. Perfectly. Like, I can't think of anybody more iconic to have such a role. And you know what? It would be must-watch TV if he was there. Who do you pair him up with? Petra this, Mons this. No, no. You want the homecoming of Zlatan. Yes, I can see that. There's a lot of people out there will have also grabbed on the fact that you said Petra met. And I'm not so sure we'll see Petra in full-on hosting. It wouldn't be expected. Petra's been um, working with the other channels and so forth. So it, it wouldn't be like, you know, she's been on everything with SVT and is in the circus. That's... That's not the case. There's been plenty of people who've been hosting Melody Festival in recent years, and I expect somebody like that would be involved. Um, could even be somebody like Santa Nielsen, who's just been hosting the uh, All Song shows in the summer and just stopped that this year. So uh, plenty of people with a Eurovision connection here in Sweden with hosting backgrounds. No, that's, that's what we do. But I'm sure at some point we will see Petron VT somewhere. I don't think that the Eurovision crew at SVT are going to let that moment pass. And honestly, though, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, after such a successful hosting with a host in Liverpool that people don't necessarily expect to be a host, Hannah Waddingham was an absolute revelation. I wouldn't be surprised to see if they go a little bit unorthodox as well. I mean, 
Last time we were in Malmo, they had one host. Last time we were in Sweden, they had two. In Liverpool, they had four hosts. So who knows how how they're going to go with this? So that progression suggests you're thinking about eight hosts there, Sam. One, well, two, three, four, three shows. eight. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 16. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We, can, we can do that. <laughs> so Works is there anything other than Fika that you're looking forward to, Sam? Honestly, some of my favorite memories of, of Eurovision, whether it's in Malmo or any other city, is just reconnecting with people. And I just remember sitting in a outside cafe in, I, I want to say the place is called Storator, but I'm knowing my knowledge of Swedish, every every city has a Storator or a Lilletor or something like that. It's just having a cup of coffee and a fita with with friends and having a beautiful sunny day and watching the world just pass me by and just reconnecting with people. As as somebody who's so geographically far away from folks, I, I really relish those moments. Uh, musically, you know, Malmö was the year that brought us Marco Mengoni. That was the year that brought us Alcohol is Free. That was the year that brought us I Feed You My Love. Three, three songs and artists who I absolutely love. And I can't wait to see what a decade plus brings from there. Uh, there are also things that I didn't love about the Malmo experience. The fact that they the, they experimented with the press center not being fully, fully open that first week. There were some definite growing pains where they didn't have screens available in the first day or so, that they had to shunt it off into a, a cinema space within the what would eventually become the Euro Club with not enough outlets and not, not enough food or water and, and drink for everybody. That luckily they were able to the pivot and get things better for us and have a really, really wonderful press center in that second week. So I'm, I'm, I look at Manma as a wonderful experience with friends, wonderful musically, but also as a contest that they started to shift some of the expectations within the press center. And I'm very curious and cautious about what they're going to do this year. We'll see what happens. I, for me, it does actually come down to the actual show. And I think it's going to be the competition that happens behind the scenes. The BBC did a lot with the show. You know, the, the BBC techies made a huge difference, really enjoyed themselves and found the limit that they could push to. And they went beyond and they brought a contest that is one for the ages. The Interval Act probably dulls that down to stop it being the best contest of all time, but it is certainly one of the most memorable ones. The techies inside SVT are we looking at that and going, we can do better than that. And now they've got the bare bone skeleton you're putting on the song contest and they're going, we're going to do the best contest ever. This happens every year inside broadcasters, wanting to do one better, wanting to push the envelope, wanting to find the edges of what is possible in live broadcasting. The Eurovision Song Contest continues to change and evolve. And yep, there are always going to be people that are wary, changes in how it promotes itself out on the internet through social networks, if we still have social networks still running in May next year, how it communicates, how the fans talk about the contest, how the general public feel about the contest. Those evolutions will continue to happen, but it's the evolution inside the show, the changes, what could stay the same... How do you redefine the show every 12 months and still keep it fresh and exciting has been asked 66 times. 
we're going to ask now for the 67th time at the 68th contest. And it's those changes I'm really looking forward to. How do you make the best song contest on earth after San Remo better and better and better? And I can't wait to find out. And as we find out, we'll bring that all to you on the podcast and the socials, on the website, all of that with the team here at ESC Insight. Two of them have joined me for this little look at the winning host city. So thanks to Ben Robertson. Thank you, Ewan. And thank you to Samantha Ross. Oxamica. And I shall now switch off the Christopher signal and we will come back to you with the regular broadcast podcasts and such like over the next few weeks as we now know where we're going. Mom. I can't remember what Swedish for guitars is. Is it just the funny line of, it's just guitars? Guitar? Yeah, it's close enough. Guitars. This is the Insight Chat over coffee news, looking at Malmo winning podcast, whatever. Hosted by myself, Ewan Svens, with Ben Robinson, Samantha Ross, www.escinsight.com and support us, patreon.com slash escinsights.